Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Father, as we come to your word, uh, we're just asking, Lord, that you would breathe upon it, make it a living thing, uh, something that would impact not just our brains, but our hearts. And Holy Spirit, just I pray for each one on the screen here that you would highlight those areas of Exodus 12 that you're really trying to speak to us personally about. So, Lord, we come with an expectant, open heart, and we thank you for speaking to us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to try to read this quickly since this is a long, long chapter. Okay, let's jump in. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, <clears throat> this month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, on the 10th of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves. According to their father's household, a lamb for each household. Now, if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in that, according to what each man should eat. You are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be unblemished, a male, a year old, and you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they should take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they may eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs, along with its entrails. You shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. Now shall you shall eat it in this manner, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. And I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, <clears throat> both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be a sign for you in the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you, and no plague shall be for you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now this day shall be a memorial to you. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You're to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. And on the first day you shall have a holy assembly. 
and another holy assembly on the seventh day. No work at all shall be done on them, except what must be eaten by every person. That alone may be prepared by you. You shall also observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread. For on this very day, I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent ordinance. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month that evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. Seven days there shall be uh, no leaven found in your houses. For whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he's an alien or a native of the land. You shall not eat anything leavened. In all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take for yourselves lambs according to your families. Slay the Passover lamb. You shall take a bunch of hippus and dip it in the blood, which is in the basin, and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and the two doorposts, and none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. But the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come in to your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. It will come about when you enter the land, which the Lord will give you, as he has promised, that you shall observe this right. And it will come about that your children will say to you, what does this right mean to you? That you shall say, it's a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians, but he spared our homes. And the people bowed low and they worshiped. Then the sons of Israel went and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Now it came about at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the captive who's in the dungeon and on the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was no home where there was not someone dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron at night and said, rise up, get up from among my people, both you and the sons of Israel, and go and worship the Lord as you've said. Take both your flocks and your herds, as you've said, and go and bless me also. And the Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, with their kneading bowls, bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they requested from the Egyptian articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. The Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have that request. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. Now, the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, aside from children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, along with flocks and herds, a very large number of livestock. And they baked the dough, which they had brought out of Egypt, into cakes of unleavened bread. For it had not become leavened, since they were driven out of Egypt, and they could not delay, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. 
Now the time that the sons of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. And it came about at the end of 430 years to the very day that all the hosts of Israel went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be observed for the Lord for having brought them out from the land of Egypt. This night is for the Lord to be observed by all the sons of Israel throughout their generations. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this, turn my page here, uh, this is an ordinance of Passover. No foreigner is to eat of it. But every man's slave purchased with money after you have circumcised him, then he may eat of it. A sojourner or a hired servant shall not eat of it. It is to be eaten in a single house. You are not to bring forth any of the flesh outside of the house, nor are you to break uh, a bone of it. All the congregation of Israel are to celebrate this. But if a so stranger sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised and let him come near to celebrate it. And he shall be uh, as a native of the land. But an uncircumcised person may not eat of it. The same law shall apply to the native as to the stranger who sojourns among you. Then all the sons of Israel did so. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And it came about on that same day that the Lord brought the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their host. <clears throat> wow. That is one long reading. My, my, my. Okay. So we're going to start out. Uh, I think there's uh, five basic things I, I pick up. Uh, first is the Feast of the Passover and what it means. Secondly, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, what it means. Uh, thirdly, the importance of obedience. Uh, four, the blessings of obedience. And last, that God always keeps his promises. So if you look at Exodus 12, and again, if you look at verse 3, it starts out right like this. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the 10th day of the month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's household, a lamb of each household. So they beget a lamb, and then five and six, your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Okay, so bottom line, the feast of Passover, wonder if they're going to get a lamb, but not just any lamb. It has to be unblemished. In other words, it's to be a, a holy lamb, not just a commonplace lamb, and it's to be one year old, <clears throat> and then they're to, <clears throat> excuse me, and then they're to kill it. And then it look at verse seven, which is really central to the whole thing. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two board posts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. So they take the blood and they're to put it on the two sides of the door and on the top of the door and <clears throat> let me get back at just a moment to the blood because the blood is really really central in this teaching but uh just one thing to help you see the context of the blood look at verse 12 god's speaking and he says i'll go through the land of egypt on that night 
and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I'll execute judgments. I am the Lord. And here we are, 13. And the blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So the blood is a really, really big deal for God. And you might ask, okay, why blood? What, what's the deal about blood? Well, there's a verse that kind of tells us the impact. That's on Leviticus chapter 17. And verse 11, it says this, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. This is God speaking, okay? And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your sins. So blood to God represents the very life being. And you think about blood is what goes through our whole body, what gives us life and strength and energy. So blood represents, in a sense, a life. Uh, <clears throat> and again, the Lord emphasizes the idea of the lamb. He emphasizes, again, the blood. Look at verse 22. You shall take a bunch of fifth and dip it in the blood, which is in the basin. Apply some of the blood that's in the basin. It talks about putting it over the door. And then 23, and the Lord will pass through the, and smite the Egyptians. And when he sees what? Here's the big word. The blood on the lintel and on the doorpost. The Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the devourer to come in to your houses to smite you. <clears throat> So, blood is a big deal to God. It's a big deal to the Jews. And really, it should be a big deal uh, to us. In a very real way, we as Christians, we celebrate the Passover, but with a different twist. To the Jew, the lamb represented, in a sense, their, their own giving of their lives to the Lord. Uh, the lamb ultimately was taking the place of them. And for us, the lamb that we see here is really Jesus Christ. Uh, if you look at John 1, 29, John the Baptist sees Jesus. And what's he say? Very interesting. He sees Jesus at the baptism. He says, behold, the lamb of God. He's talking about Jesus, who does what? Takes away the sin of the world. So that lamb that we're hearing here really represents Jesus. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed. Very clearly, saying Jesus is the Passover. He's that lamb back here that was killed in our behalf. <clears throat> 1 Peter 1, 19, <clears throat> excuse me, says this, Jesus is a lamb without blemish and without spot. So Jesus was absolutely without sin. No spot, no stain of any transgression on his life. He is the perfect lamb of God who takes away literally the sin of the world. I love it. The Old Testament is pointing and saying, guess what? It's a picture. This lamb is ultimately all the lambs that were slain in the Old Testament are all pointing directly saying, the Lamb, the Lamb, capital L-A-M-B, is coming, i.e. Jesus. And Jesus 
refers in a sense to himself as the lamb at the last supper in the upper room <clears throat> in matthew 26 jesus said take eat this he gave a bread this is my body broken for you and then he talks about the juice that he gave drink from it for this is the blood my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin so jesus literally is saying i'm the lamb my blood's poured out so the passover uh, is really a very important thing to the jew the opening of the red sea these are probably the two biggies in israel's history we're going to have the passover we're having the deliverance through the red sea but for us as christians probably the most notable thing is the death of the lamb the death of jesus that's what we celebrate and we try to do that here at fusion once a month where we remember and it's so important jesus said do this in remembrance of me in other words don't ever forget don't ever forget what i've done for you and that just reminds me again of john 3 16 god so loved the world he so loved everybody on the screen that he gave his only begotten son for you and for me. So I think it's really important that we don't forget and never take it for granted or that the communion would be just a, a ritual that we go through. It's a remembrance of that Jesus gave his very life blood to put our broken lives back together again. Going a little bit further, if you look at verse 25, uh, it says this, and it will come about when you enter the land, which the Lord will give you as he has promised that you shall observe this right. It will come about when your children say to you, what does this right mean to you? That you should say, it's a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when the, he smote the Egyptians, but spared our homes. So. What I hear uh, the Lord saying is, guess what? Personally, don't forget, the Jew is saying, don't forget what God did on that Passover. But I hear God saying to us, don't forget. And what we need to do if we're parents, very clearly, uh, we are to go to our children and we're to instruct them what Jesus did for them on the cross. <laughs> And I think we're to make it personal. <clears throat> I think we could go to our kids and say, hey, here's my testimony. Here, here, here's how I came to Christ. They need to know that. We need to be able to go to our children and say, uh, you know, the Lord healed me. Or to be able to say, the Lord provided money for us in a time of need. Or I was in a really tough spot. And you know what? God delivered me. We go to our kids and say, you know, he answered my prayers. So I think back then in the Old Testament, God's saying, keep pass on the good word to your kids, to your family. Make sure that they hear it. Because if you don't pass it on to your generation, the next one, guess what? The faith's going to die. And again, what God said to the Old Testament, I think he's saying, no, pass on to your kids all that Jesus has done for you. Let them know. Let them know that you serve a great and a loving 
and a very blessed God. And again, we're to pass it on not just to our family and say, well, that's it, I'm done. No, we have the privilege of passing it on to each other as we come together and worship. We have the joy of sharing what Jesus has done when we get into the connect groups in the fall. We have the joy of being able to tell this faith to the people we work with, to our friends, to our associates. Who knows? Maybe the Lord opens the door for you to say a word to the gas attendant. So the good news is something too good to be locked away. <clears throat> That's the feast of Passover. The next is the feast of unleavened bread. And that, that feast started following when that lamb was slain. Okay. It goes right after that. And if you look at verse 17, we pick it up about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You shall also observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread. From this day, I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a perpetual ordinance. The first month, on the 14th day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. Seven days. There shall be no leaven found in your houses. For whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. And then 20, and you shall not eat anything leavened, and all your dwellings, you shall eat unleavened bread. <clears throat> okay. Uh, unleavened bread is bread that it just doesn't rise. By the way, I'm not a good cook, so I have no clue about how that works in reality. But leaven causes bread to rise. Now, in the Bible, leaven is almost always used as a sign of evil and something bad. Uh, if you look at 1 Corinthians, I'm just going to read it for the sake of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 <clears throat> and 6 through 8, it says this. Uh, Paul says this, your boastings is not good. Do you know, know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed. Then it says this, let us therefore celebrate the feast not with the old leaven, here it is, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So it's kind of cool if you put <clears throat> these two feasts together, the Passover feast is celebrating, no, Jesus died, accept him as your savior and Lord. The feast of unleavened bread is basically saying, now that you're a Christian, you're called to grow in your faith, not just to be remaining a baby. You're called into a holy lifestyle. Don't have anything to do with leaven. Don't have anything that's going to corrupt you in your walk with the Lord. Uh, it kind of reminds me, uh, I think of what Paul would say when he talks about walk with an unleavened mode in your head. Uh, Ephesians 5, 2. Listen to what Paul's saying. He says, walk in love just as Christ also loved you. He gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God, a fragrant aroma. And then he says this. But do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you as is among the saints. There must be no filthiness, no silly talk, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know, 
with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. So that's the big deal. Make a commitment. In a sense, walk with an unleavened bread mindset. Seek to be holy. And here's a challenge to any of us, because there's always things I think that the Lord can prune out of us that are not of him. Psalm 139, 23. Here's the prayer. Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any hurtful or evil way in me. So I think that's a prayer we can pray as Christians. Lord, I want to reflect you without deflecting you in any way, shape, or form. So, Lord, if there's anything in me, in my attitudes, or in my motives, or in my thoughts, or in my actions, Lord, if there's anything that's displeasing to you, please make it real so I can deal with it, so I can remove it from my life. So I think that's the, the thrust of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. In other words, walk in the holiness that Jesus gives you and cast off anything that's not like Christ. So there's a challenge, really, I think, for all of us. How far am I willing to follow Jesus? How far am I willing to let the Spirit search me and try me and see if there's anything in me that's gumming up the works? That's a heavy-duty prayer, but it will make a great change in our lives. <clears throat> Number three, uh, just looking at the clock here, obedience. So if you go back... We go back to Exodus 12 again. Okay. Obedience is really important. If you look at uh, verse 28, Exodus 12 and 28, it says this. After the Lord had given all these commandments to the Israelites, it says this on 28. Then the sons of Israel went and did so just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. So guess what? God says, do it. And, and what did they do? They did it. Look at 43. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, and he goes on and he lays out other specifications of the whole Passover celebration. And then as he lifted those uh, things at verse 50, it says, then all the sons of Israel did so. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. Now, by the way, many, many, you read Exodus, you read Numbers, you read Deuteronomy. There's a lot of times the Israelites blow off God. They're disobedient. They're rebellious. I mean, they really mess up. But in this case, they did do what God asked them to do. It's really important. Obedience I can't tell you, that theme runs through the entire Bible, right from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Obedience, if God says something once, it's important. If God emphasizes it hundreds of times, and it's literally hundreds of times, God is saying, this is really important with an exclamation mark, please pay attention to what I'm saying. Uh, Deuteronomy 5, 1, it says this. Then Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the ordinances which I am speaking today in your hearing, that you may learn them and observe them carefully. Moses says, Hey, God's given you commandments, observe them carefully. 
Deuteronomy 6.17, the Lord says this, you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. Deuteronomy 8.1, all the commandments that I am commanding you today, the Lord says, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply. So there are references all through the Old Testament, all over, obey, obey, obey. In the New Testament, I can't tell you how many times, either directly or by inference, God is saying, it's important to do what I ask you to do or not do, but I tell you, you shouldn't do. So the Lord's basically saying obedience is not an optional thing. And think about it, because God is our creator, he has the right to tell us what's right and what's wrong and what to do and what not to do. And I think we also need to realize very carefully that God has designed the universe in such a holy way that he knows if we obey him, we are going to experience, and we'll see it in a minute, a blessing. But if we disobey him, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. A point that I really want to make, this is a big deal, this next thing, is I don't want us to obey from a legalistic mindset, meaning I got to obey because God's on my case and I have to do it or else I'm going to get a lightning bolt. I don't think that is the best way to understand obedience. I think the way to understand obedience is the way Jesus put it. In John 14, 15, Jesus said this, listen. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. John 14, 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So obedience isn't, oh my God, I have to. No, it's I I want to. There's a tremendous difference. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we live under this, this black cloud of, I have to, I have to, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to read the Bible. I got to go to church. I got to witness. And it's just legalism and it just weighs us down. It doesn't bring joy. It it really kind of just bums you out. What I hear Jesus saying, we obey not because we have to, but because we love the Lord. If we love him, get this, if we love him, we're going to want to please him and bring him joy. Make sense? Okay, it's not I have to, it's because I have such a loving God, and he loved me, and he sent his son to prove his love, and to die on a cross, we want to obey because we just want to bring joy to our creator. So I think it's very uh, clear statement to be able to say our love for God is proportional to our obedience. Let me say it again. Our love for God is proportional to our obedience. Anybody can come to church on Sunday. Hallelujah, praise, raise our hands, clap our hands. Oh, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus says, you know what? That's not the bottom line that you just come to church and celebrate and enjoy the singing. No, no. He says, what I'm looking for is if you really love me, you're going to do what I've asked you to do. Not because you have to, but because you love me and we're in this love relationship. So I've just got to pause and ask myself a question. And I think you do too is how much do I really love the Lord? I mean, that's just a gut-wrenching question, but it's an important question. How much do you, how much do I love the Lord? And we got the answer. I love him to the degree I'm willing to serve him 
and obey him. Okay, uh, as we begin to wrap up, uh, there are blessings for obedience. Flip back, we're back here in Exodus 12 again. And if you look at Exodus 12 and 35 and 36, it says, now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they had requested from the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have their requests. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. So God told Israel, hey, here's a command. I'm telling you to do this. When you're leaving, go to the Egyptians and say, hey, uh, Egyptians, we like articles of gold and silver. We like clothing. God said, do it. They did it. God caused the Egyptians to have favor on them. So they come out and they're loaded literally with gold and silver and clothes. And guess what? All that was used ultimately then to build the tabernacle with which they were going to worship the Lord, which is so cool. So in a sense, God said, I'm asking you to do what I said. And in this case, guess what? They were rewarded because they had all these extra blessings of silver, gold, and clothes, and ultimately God used them. So bottom side, it says this, uh, Deuteronomy, very clear statement, Deuteronomy 28, and verse 1, it says this. Now, it shall be, if you will diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. He's talking to the Jews, okay? 22. And all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord. So God's very clear. He said, if you do what I ask you to do, you are going to have a blessed life. Problem free? No way. Uh, avoiding all suffering? No way. But you will have a blessed, full, and abundant life if you seek to walk with the Lord. But there's a flip side. Deuteronomy 28, 15, the Lord says this, but it shall come about if you do not obey the Lord your God to observe all his commandments and statutes, that you will experience these curses. And boy, I'll tell you, there's a bundle of them. And a lot of people are not experiencing a blessed, full walk with the Lord because literally they're in disobedience. And if we walk in disobedience, we, again, as I said before, we're shooting our foot. We're, we're, we're hurting ourselves. So just realize that as we seek to obey God, ultimately, it will bless us and make us full. And the last thing uh, is God keeps his promises. And it's interesting, way back in Genesis, Genesis 15 and verse 13 to 14, so uh, God's interacting with, we're way back to Abraham. We're back to Genesis, okay? Uh, Genesis 15, 13, and it says, And God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. But I also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. So God says way back in Genesis, he says, this is way before Exodus. Basically, uh, there's going to come a point where my people will be enslaved, literally, uh, in the land of strangers. Guess what? Israel was enslaved in Egypt. If you look at verse <clears throat> 40 and 41, 
It says this, now the time that the sons of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. And it came about at the end of 430 years to the very day that the, all the hosts of the Lord went up from the land of Egypt. So in the Old Testament, it's basically, say, 400 years. And, and it was a rounding off figure there where the actual figure here is 430. But the point of it is, is that God made a prophecy. He said, I'm going to do this. And when God says something, he's not like us. I'm, I'm sure all of us have encountered people that have said things to us. Oh, I promise I'll do this for you, or I'll do that, or I'll meet you here. There, And, the, and people drop the ball left and right many times. God never drops the ball. If he says something, he is a person of integrity. And if he says it, you can count on your life. He will do, he will do what he says. So uh, it's just so important that we know that. Uh, and because we don't know what he's promised, then many times people can't appropriate all that God wants to give. In other words, how can you appropriate what's in the Bible if you don't read the Bible? And I, unfortunately, brothers and sisters, I mean, thank God for you folks. I mean, you're in the soap, which says to me, you, you take Bible study very seriously. Listen, anybody that gets up at six in the morning, you got to have some seriousness in regards to your walk with the Lord. Okay. Uh, I don't wake up at six in the morning, uh, just a full round. I mean, there, there's an intentionality here, but many times people do not read the Bible. If they don't read it, they don't know what's in it. If they don't know what's in it, they don't know many promises, thousands of promises God has given to you and I. I mean, it's like this, this book here, folks, is like a treasure chest. It's like a treasure chest. And, and if you're like adventure, if you like intrigue, well, get into the Bible. It's a treasure chest. And when you see what's in here, you can then begin to access it, receive it, and God can get the glory and the honor. So I just think that's the last point I wanted to say is God keeps his promises, find out what they are, walk out on them and experience all that God wants you to experience. So in closing, basically, I just have uh, four points. Just number one, don't forget to celebrate the blessings of God. We saw that in the feast of Passover. Don't, he has blessed us. Don't ever take for granted the fact that Jesus died for you. I mean, that my mind goes tilt when I hear that because it's so deep and it's so precious that I, my mind can't comprehend it all. But count your blessings. We are a blessed people. Don't ever forget to celebrate the blessings of God. Number two, uh, seek to be obedient. Not because you have to, but because you want to please the Lord and bring him joy. Number three, don't forget to tell other people about what Jesus has done for you. And here we saw, tell your family. Well, tell your family, tell your friends. What a great message to tell the world that somebody loves them so much that they were willing to die for them. And four, uh, let's study God's word. Uh, let's open the book. Let's see what God has said, what he's promised, so that we can receive these things and then give God all the glory, the honor, and the praise. So let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for just so much that is within Exodus chapter 12. Father, we, we just pray, Lord, uh, again, 
that we just don't read it and say, oh, isn't that nice? And, and just, okay, let's do Exodus chapter 13 tomorrow. Lord, you have said some important things in this chapter, things that really relate to our everyday life. And I pray, Lord, for each of us, uh, Lord, that we would take very seriously the words that are on the pages we read today. Lord, help us, Lord, not just to, to read the word, but to, uh, to apply it, to put it into action. Uh, and Father, we just thank you uh, that as we walk out on your word, that we can experience a full and abundant life. So Lord, I just pray your blessing on uh, all my brothers and sisters. Lord, just shine upon them. Uh, touch them in a fresh way by the power of your Holy Spirit. Make us living, powerful witnesses. Lord, not just to your death, but that you were resurrected from the dead uh, and that we have an amazing story to tell. So we thank you for this time, Lord, and we just pray Jesus in your name. Amen. Amen. Folks, have a great day. God bless you and uh, catch you soon.